Hey, Dee, are your bird feeders all full? Yes, they are. That's good because, you know, it's part of the ritual of getting ready to record the podcast to make sure the feeders are full. Welcome to the Garden Angelus, where we talk about flowers, veggies, and all the best dirt. I'm Dee Nash from Guthrie, Oklahoma, where I garden on seven and a half acres out in the boondocks. And I'm Carol Michael from Indianapolis, Indiana, of a suburban garden measured in square feet, about a third of an acre. We call ourselves Garden Angelists because we are evangelists for gardening. We love gardening and we want you to love it too. Yes, we do. And we aren't afraid to spill the beans and tell all of our gardening secrets, the good, the bad, and even the ugly. But that's enough of who, what, when, where. Let's move on to this week's episode. Good morning, Dee. Good morning, Carol. So how does your garden grow this week? Um, it's not doing much. I mean, in the greenhouse, things are just pretty much the same. I need to cut everything back, you know, half it, because now that we got sunlight coming in, that makes all the plants grow really abundantly and outside of their containers. So I'll probably do that this this week. I thought I didn't have anything to do this week, but apparently I do. And tonight I'm giving a talk on Marion Gardens. You know what a Marion Garden is, right? Yes. Yeah. Tell everybody. So it's a garden that is devoted to the Blessed Mother. And anyway, there's a huge history to them and they've been around forever. And so I'm going to give a talk on that. And then I helped pick out flowers with Mary Louise um, for the bouquets that I'm going to show them how to make afterwards because they can't really plant anything right now. So we're going to do bouquets. Very nice. Very nice. Well, uh, as I reported last week, I had a little bit of tree trimming done this past week and that all went great and the trees look wonderful and got my lawnmower all fixed got my snowblower sent off to be fixed it had more problems than we thought for something i hadn't used for several years probably why i had problems because you know if those things sit at all they get all seized up and we're in this weird mid-february warm-up which is going to be the bottom's going to drop out again at the end of the week but i'm hopeful to see maybe a crocus or two pop up we'll see Ooh, that's exciting. I don't, I haven't seen any crocus yet. I should go out there and look. I've still got a few Tommies in this one spot that the voles didn't find them. And I should see if I can find, see if I see any. Um, we're supposed to have a big cold front come in uh, with thunderstorms tomorrow night. And then and it's tomorrow Wednesday. Yeah, yeah, tomorrow night. And then Thursday, we're supposed to get an inch or two of snow. I'm like, not again. I think we've got snow in our forecast too. So maybe that snowblower will come back (laughs) in time. Maybe. You want to do the first quote? I am going to do the first quote. The moment you doubt whether you can fly, you cease forever to be able to do it. J.M. Barry in Peter Pan. I love it. It's true. It's true. And so this week, it's all about the birds. It is all about the birds. And so rather than choose like flowers you can grow from the bird for the birds, we chose as our flower the bird of paradise house plant. Because I have one. My sister has one that has she bought in January of 2020. It's probably doubled in size. Mm-hmm. Monster. Does hers bloom? No, it hasn't. It hasn't. And so she has this gorgeous room that has south and west windows. And I told her for years you need plants in here. And so finally she got, we went and she picked out that bird of paradise. Cause I says, let's get a big one and another plant. And it, that it really does well. And so I thought, how are we going to get this thing to bloom? Right. And I, 
I think the one she has and the one I have are the white bird of paradise, which is Strelitzia Nikolai. Yes. And my sense is if we don't take them outside for a long summer outing, they are not likely to bloom inside. And inside, they need good, strong six hours of light a day. To bloom or to just grow. To just grow. Yeah. Well, I mean, there are tropical plants, which makes sense, right? It does. I mean, I know we grow a lot of tropical plants and some of the ones we grow in their native places, they travel, you know, they're in the dark. So that's why philodendrons work and stuff like that and pothos, because they trail up other trees and stuff. But certain plants that bloom that are tropical, it seems to me they would need a lot of light and a lot of fertilizer. Yes. And so here's a weird memory I have of Bird of Paradise. I remember when I was a kid, and this is the 1960s, there was a Bird of Paradise plant with a bloom on it at the pediatrician's office, which isn't really possible. She didn't have great light, nor would she have been the kind of woman who would have cared. So I'm wondering if it was a plastic plant, or I'm wondering if I dreamed it somehow. But that's where I can sort of place it. And mm-hmm. after reading through what it takes to get a bird of paradise to bloom indoors, first of all, if any of our listeners have had a bird of paradise bloom indoors, we'd love for them to share with us their secret. Because I'm like, I think it's just a matter of take it outside all summer and then luck. Mm-hmm. And it should be pot bound. They don't like to be in a big pot. Mm-hmm. They like to have their roots kind of scrunched up, which is true of a lot of plants. Yeah, amaryllis are another, that's another group that they really like to be pot bound to bloom well. So I thought, well, you know, if I really want a bird of paradise bloom, I'm probably going to have to buy a fake one. <laughs> mm. You want to hear my memory of bird of paradise? Yeah, did one bite yet? <laughs> no. Um, we went to Hawaii a year after we were married because, you know, my mom had the wreck right before year for a honeymoon and so we went to Hawaii and there they were everywhere in Hawaii and they were all blooming and I they were the orange ones the orange and pink ones and I just remember being like so overwhelmed by the fact that all these plants that I knew as house plants were just growing outside in Hawaii oh yeah it was the coolest thing I haven't been to Hawaii but I've been to Florida and like why are y'all growing house plants outside (laughs) I do have a funny Florida gardening story. Okay, tell me. I was talking to my aunt the other day, and she had gone down to Florida for a couple of weeks to spend Mm -hmm. some time with an aunt and uncle down there. And uh, so one of my cousins has some kids, little kids, came over for a visit. I don't know exactly where, but it had been so cold down there that they had frost one morning. It got down to 30. Uh which was catastrophic for the orange groves and things like that. But apparently these little kids that grew up in Florida or growing up in Florida had never seen frost and they were out scraping it off the cars and just thought it was a wondrous thing to see. They were enjoying it like it was a big snowfall or something. That's funny. I fell on the ice, so I'm not a big fan of ice right now. Let's have no more of that. Exactly. So anyway, I'm still trying to figure out how to get my sisters to bloom. She's got as good a chance as anybody because of the great condition she has in her sunroom. So fingers crossed. We'll see how it goes. We'll see. Do you want me to do the next quote? You always do. 
You can't be suspicious of a tree or accuse a bird or a squirrel of subversion or challenge the ideology of a violet. Hal Borland. Um, I've seen some subversive squirrels. I'm just saying. (laughs) I have seen them. They're at my bird feeder and they are subverting the bird food for everybody else. But that's what squirrels do. So this veggie is so interesting. I'm excited about it. It is. What foods would you grow for birds? And we came up with a list of four. Amaranth, millet, uh, sunflowers, and broom corn. Yeah. And I have grown everything but broom corn. And I have grown sunflowers and broom corn, but I have not grown amaranth and millet. I've grown both of those. And I've grown millet and amaranth both from seed and sunflowers for that matter, but you always grow sunflowers from seed. So tell me about broom corn. I want to hear about it. So broom corn is super easy to grow. You plant the seeds, stand back and grows. That's it. And it'll grow 12, 15 feet in the air. And it is actually a commercial crop that is grown. I think there's a lot of it grown in Illinois. And the interesting thing is botanical interest has broom corn and they're in the town of Broomfield, Colorado. And they said on their website that the town was named Broomfield because there were so many people growing broom corn in the area. And it's literally the, the stalks of the seed is what you can use to make brooms. And we've talked about this before. Yes, because you when you when you grew it, right? We talked about when you grew yeah. it in yeah. your yard. But here's the part I love that you wrote in our notes, that birds will flock to it once the seeds form, and they'll sit on top of the broom stalks swaying in the wind. That's a really lovely picture. It is lovely. And I just, I leave it up there. It's the very last thing I cut down. And in fact, I was thinking earlier when I was writing the episode notes, I cut it down by half and I left half the stalks still in the garden. I thought that was kind of dumb. I should have just left them completely and cut them down in the spring. Oh, well, you still left them part of the way up. So if there's any creatures inside of them, they'll get out. Well, it wasn't so much the creatures. I thought the birds could have been up there all winter because there's a lot of seed on this. So the next one we were going to talk about was amaranth. So there's grain amaranth and there's ornamental varieties. And I think amaranth is pretty, but as we know, I'm not having much luck growing it anymore. It used to grow it really well. So I don't know what has changed, but I can't grow it very well. In fact, I made you promise not to let me try to grow it again. And even the ornamental varieties of amaranth have um, a lot of seed in them too. And you see birds on them. Yeah. And I was looking at the Baker's Creek had a lot of amaranth for grain seeds, I would call it. And it's really um, a history lesson on how they're trying to save these varieties from extinction. So that was kind of interesting. That is so cool. So I'm not growing amaranth either. Although I have an old, 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 old seed packet from 1987 that hasn't been opened. Really? Yeah. That's cool. And then millet. So when you researched millet, you found that botanical interest sells a songbird delight flower mix, which sounds wonderful. And it has millet in it. Yes. Plus a bunch of other flowering plants, right? Right. And if you have a big space, that's where I would use a flower mix like that, like up in your meadow. Mm -hmm. But they had a millet in there called pearl millet, which they don't sell seeds for separately. But uh, it just looked like a good wildflower mix. I thought that's you had a big space, that would be the thing to buy. 
Yes, and I do have a big space. I have I've done some flowers, but that would be fun to add the millet too. I'm trying to get my grasses in that upper pasture, the native grasses to grow. That would be my only, uh-huh. you know, I don't know if I need millet up there too. But anyway, um, they also have purple majesty millet, which is an ornamental millet, but it does have a bunch of seed seeds in it. I've grown it. And then I guess Baker's Creek has a German foxtail millet. I can kind of visualize what that looks like. But the Purple Majesty, I started it indoors and then I repotted it. And you said in here that, you know, we see the Purple Millet often for sale as a pot filler in the fall. And we do because it takes around here until it until it grows pretty good. It doesn't look like anything. It just looks like sort of a boring purple green grass. And then eventually it puts up that big stalk and then it, it, that's really beautiful. And it's sold that way here too. I've grown it lots of different ways. It's funny. It comes in and it's really popular for a little bit and then it goes away again. You know what I'm saying? Like people right. want it and right. then it's gone. So I'm not growing the millet, the German foxtail millet. You, you want to grow it for the seeds because you're not growing it for the beauty of it. It looks like foxtail grass, the weed. <laughs> I'm not growing that. Mm. No, thanks. I want to back up to amaranth for a minute. Uh Uh-huh. I've heard, I've heard that there's some amaranth that can self-sow pretty rampantly. And so you have to be really careful because you can end up with a lot of amaranth that you don't want because it becomes weedy. Have you heard that? I have not heard that, but it makes perfect sense, especially with the ones that are the seed type, you know, the ones that you grow for seed, the birds are going to drop a bunch of that seed. So yeah, I can see that happening. The ones I've grown, the ornamental ones, I can barely get them to grow. So they're not a problem, at least not here, but there might be problems somewhere else. You never know. Yeah. And then the most popular thing to grow for the birds is... Sunflowers, and you've got big sunflower plants. Sunflowers, you've got big plants for sunflowers. I do, I do. Um, I'm going to plant them in my potager. I think I've talked about this a little bit before. Um, you know, I have all that lavender that borders those four beds, and um, so I think I am going to put sunflowers in there. But I'm going to use dwarf ones because I don't want them to be so tall that they're you know huge tall compared to the and shade out the um, lavender because that wouldn't work. So I'm going to do shorter ones that only get about mm, two and a half feet tall. And that should look good. We'll see. I mean, we'll just see. It may not work at all. Sometimes I get these ideas and then I try them and they don't work and that's okay too. Are you not going to plant any vegetables in those beds? Is it all going to be sunflowers? Well, I was thinking about planting spring vegetables in those beds. And then as soon as it was time for sunflowers, plant the sunflowers between the spring vegetables, because then I'll harvest the spring vegetables. Right. Right. But it just depends. I'll be honest. I'm really tired right now. And so I am not promising to do anything. Okay. Well, that's fair enough. I'm going to go on to our next quote then. Perfect. The presence of a single bird can change everything for one who appreciates them. That's Julie Zigafoos. In the book, Saving Jemima, Life and Love with a Hard, Jack, hard Luck J. Yes. And, the, and this is the same author of our book that's on the bookshelf this week, which you had in your library, The Bluebird Effect, Uncommon Bonds with Common Birds by Julie Zickfoos. Zickafoos. Zickafoos. I looked up YouTube videos and that's how they said it. Okay. Good to know. I wish I'd seen that first. Zickafoos. Anyway, she 
is a charming. I am so glad you picked this book off your bookshelf because I ordered it from, you know, New World Books or something. To I had I got a good used copy, and that's my suggestion because I think it's kind of expensive as a regular. It was from 2012. Yeah, it's old, so it's not. I mean, comparatively, gosh, that makes it 10 years old. It feels like 2012 just happened. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's a it's a charming book. We should note that she drew all the illustrations for the book. She she's an she artist. She's a birder. She's actually uh, married to the editor of Bird, Bird Watchers, Watchers Digest. Digest. Yeah, yeah. I started reading it this morning because my book didn't come until yesterday, and I decided I'm going to read books in the morning instead of watching the news because I can't get through all the books Great I want to read. And I, you know, I can't, I can't control the news. So I'm going to do that. And um, it, I just had the best morning this morning because this is a really good book. Yes, it is. And I was telling my garden club yesterday, cause they have a, it's, it's anyway, I, I recommended it to them. I said, it's the kind of book where you can put it on your nightstand and then you pick it up and you just pick a chapter about a bird and read some story that she has. And, I read about starlings the other day because as soon as I put mealworms out for the bluebirds, the starlings showed up and I'm like, you're not welcome here. (laughs) And So I read her chapter. I thought, well, I need to adjust my attitude about these birds. And so I have adjusted my attitude a little bit. And I found out, you know, that she said in 2012, they're actually endangered in Europe where they're from, which is kind of interesting because here they're a pest bird. They're a terrible pest. And then they're a mimic bird. So they mimic sounds. And she said the one bird mimicked the sound of her son going, mama, mama. And so she, you know, suddenly her attitude changed Mm -hmm. about the starling. Yeah. That chapter is really good. I read it this morning and it just made me really happy. And then you found a wonderful rabbit hole about she has. Okay. So we should say a little bit about her background before we say that part. Um, her background is she has always loved birds. She loved them from the time she was a little bitty kid. And then on top of that, she thought she was going to go to Cornell University because she wanted to be an ornithologist. But when she got there, right. they said, well, your science scores on the SAT aren't quite what we want. This was when she did her interview. And then they said, and you'll have to dissect birds, basically. And she goes, uh, that would be a no-go. I don't want to dissect birds. So then she took a totally different path. And there's a quote in there where she talks about how she ended up just carving her own way and finding out it was the right path all along. And I feel that way about my career because I also, you know, I took botany because I didn't want to dissect cats. That's the truth. Yeah. And then I loved it. And so I just kept taking botany and kept taking botany. And so that's a really cool thing, how sometimes in your life you can be guided. And then you found this great rabbit hole. You mean her YouTube channel? Yeah. I just looked at it a while ago and went, oh, I'm in so much trouble. Once I get my internet back. They're not all the newest videos. I mean, some of them have been out there a long, long time, but they're very charming. And so it is a bit of a rabbit hole. She also has a website. And if you want uh, copies of her book, I think she probably signs them. Uh, You can order them directly from her website. Right. I also like that she's a, uh, what she does is she saves birds. That's part of her job is that she saves backyard birds. Uh And so she teaches them how to eat again. And I didn't tell you this story, but the other day 
um, you know, we, we do use bird feeders and there's a big discussion about that in this book. And she does use bird feeders too, and feeds mealworms. Some people don't think you should, but you know, it's my garden and I'm going to use bird feeders because I enjoy them. And so we call it Bill's bird cafe. Exactly. And so we put up things in our, our we have big windows and to, and we can really see the birds, but the problem is they'll fly into your windows really bad. So we have things hanging in the windows to kind of let them know, Hey, this is not just air. But the other day I heard a bird hit the window and, and she hit it really hard and um, it was snowy and I walked outside and there was a beautiful little female cardinal on the ground. And I thought, uh Oh, cause sometimes they break their necks. But I reached down and I scooped her up because she was in the shade and she was right. on top of the snow. And I thought, you're not going to make it lying there. You know what I mean? Or a cattle getter or whatever. So I picked her up and I realized she was alive. And at first, they, well, she couldn't struggle because she was stunned. But I just carried her over and I put her on where there was sun on the railing and set her up and made sure she could sit up okay there and stayed with her for a little bit. And within you know a few minutes, I'd say about five, she took off. So you can save birds in your backyard pretty easily. And I wasn't going to do it except for she was in the snow. You know what I mean? Usually I leave them alone. I'm always fascinated by these stories of people who rescue birds and then, you know, the bird sits on their shoulder and like, I, I'm not that kind of person, but I want to be that kind of person, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, I gotcha. That is a charming, charming book. She has another book called, um, I wrote it down here somewhere, Natural Gardening for Birds. Yeah, we need it. I, I'm like, why don't we have that one? I don't know how we don't have that one. I have a bunch of old books from the mid 1900s on book on birds too. different books. I, I just another rabbit hole. Yeah, it's another rabbit hole. And one day my daughter came over, Megan, and she said, now I know you two are old because you love watching birds. And I was like, we've been watching birds for 30 years, Megan. You just never paid attention. So I said, <laughs> maybe we are old, but we were always old. <laughs> That's true. So we did talk about a couple of other bird books that we have. I have The Bird Way, A New Look at How Birds Talk, Walk, Play, Parent, and Think by Jennifer Ackerman, which is um, another interesting book. And I have Crow's Encounters with the Wise Guys of the Avian World by Candace Savage. I got it on Kindle. It does have pictures. Um, I'm about, a th- I'd say, a fourth of the way through it. I like it. I don't like it as much as I like, so far, as I like this other book that we did, The Bluebird Effect. Um, and then you have a novel. The Atomic Weight of Love by Elizabeth Church. And this is about a woman that... Post-World War II, her husband is a nuclear, or maybe in World War II, I can't remember. Her husband is a a nuclear physicist of some kind. And so they moved to New Mexico where they're doing all that secret bomb stuff. And it's sort of her finding her way in the New Mexico. And there's sort of like this subplot of crows that she keeps going to this wilderness area and meeting up with the crows. And so interesting observation about crows in that book that I, I enjoyed that. I love crows. I once wrote an article about them for um, Meredith Publishing for Better Homes and Gardens. That's who owns Better Homes and Gardens or did as of last week. Anyway, um, I wrote an article about them because they wanted us to write about birds. And I thought, well, I'm going to write about the crow because I have a multi-generational family of crows that lives on my land. And they talk about you when you come outside, you can hear them discussing you. And they're saying, you know, I mean, they're saying things like this one's okay. She's not going to hurt us. You can just tell because they don't call. They kind of 
chuckle. It's a, it's an interesting thing. Now I've never befriended them to the point where I give them things, but I've thought about doing that because I think I'm going to have more time now. I love those stories about where people give things to the crows and then the crows start to give them things back. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's a lot of those. I, I might do that. You report back. But I have a question about your um, mealworms. So how do you feed your mealworms to your birds? So I have uh, I, from World Birds Unlimited, I bought this little dish and it's only like three inches wide and an inch deep. And I just fill that with a few little mealworms and maybe I'll put a few on the windowsill. And then I just let them and usually starlings come every once in a while I'll get bluebirds. And then they have these compressed seed cylinders that you can hang up mm-hmm. and they have some that have mealworms embedded in them. And so I've gotten some of those again, it's starling having out there. I'm looking now to see if they're out there. Uh-oh. Nope. Well, I have, I have several pairs of bluebirds that nest in um, our lower pasture now. And so I thought about putting up some more bird houses along the upper pasture by the meadow too. But some of my bluebirds nest in trees, which they don't normally do, but mine do. Yeah. So it's about time for them to come back. I have a couple of bluebird houses. I need to clean them out real quick. Yeah, I did mine last week. But a woman in my garden club, I was going to tell you how she uses mealworms. She goes out onto her deck and she's a beautiful garden with trees and it's pretty shaded. But she can just put a little pile of mealworms on the, um, at the deck railing. Uh-huh. And within a few minutes, here come the bluebirds and eat them. Ooh, how they, know, they know her. I want that. I want that in my life. I want to be the well, weird bird lady. <laughs> well, I mean, you got garden lady down, so you could do bird lady. Okay. <laughs> so shall we talk about our dirt? Yeah, do the dirt. We don't have a quote before the dirt. My bad. Go ahead and do the dirt. It's- That's okay. You put the quote in front of the rabbit holes. That's fine too. So um, this is about, this is what started this whole um, episode is I found this article. I actually found it on Facebook and then I really tracked it down because I don't always trust stuff on Facebook, but it was about bird feathers and how bluebirds aren't really blue. And this is how they fool you is the one that we got to. And then feathers show their true colors is another article that we found. And the cool thing is, and it just threw me for a minute. Okay, so cardinal feathers are really red. Yes. So if you crumple up a cardinal feather, it's really red. But if you take a blue feather like from a blue jay and you walk into the shade, that feather is brown. If you walk out in the sun, it's blue. And it has to do with the way their feathers are structured. There is no blue pigment in any bird's except for one South African bird, which I don't really care about because I'm never going to see it. So I thought that was really, really cool. That is cool how they reflect the light. And so uh, I think I've seen some feathers in the shade and wondered what bird it was. And now I realize it was probably blue jays or bluebirds. But because the feather was in the shade, I didn't see the presence of blue on it at all. Exactly. So you were probably thinking, what is that striped? long feather. It would have been a tail feather. And it's, they're very distinctive, but if you take them out into the sun, then they'll look blue. Anyway, we're going to link to that because it's it's more complicated than that and more sciencey. So people can, people can go look at it if they look at our notes. So you ready? I'll do this quote now. The early bird catches the worm. William Camden. Okay. So that's, that's very appropriate in front of the rabbit holes. So tell me what your rabbit hole is this week. My garden club got, as the youngins say, got ghosted by our speaker. We couldn't get a response. 
for our speaker for yesterday, Monday. And so the vice president in charge of programs emails me and says, what do you think we ought to do? Because I'm the president. And I says, well, I could do a program on violas if you'd like. And she says, that sounds wonderful. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so down the rabbit hole I went. And D is it, it turned out really well. I got a lot of nice compliments. But while I was in the rabbit hole, I found three more old books to buy. Uh-oh. One of them, you, I had to send you a note and say, do you think I ought to spend this much on this book? And you wrote back, YOLO, you only live once, so it's on its way. Yes, I gave you permission. You said I knew you'd give me permission. I got worried this morning that that book is already here somewhere. So I thought I need to go through all my old books and really make sure I have all the Viola Pansy and Violet books together because I've got six of them. But it, was, it went really well. And I actually bought violet flavored candy to have them try. Cool. I think there's violet flavored liquor too, but yeah. we won't go there because you don't drink. Is there, there is. There's lots of violet flavored things. Most of it is artificial. No, a lot of these liquors are flavored with real, with real flowers. In fact, there's a, a yeah. blue pea that makes this certain vodka from Empress, the Empress vodka, blue purple. It's pretty cool. Um, Okay, so I have to ask you a question. You've been so obsessed with violas for how long now? A year? Well, it's always been my favorite flower, but I think things sort of ratcheted up last year for some reason. I mean, I've bought some of these books years ago, so. But why? Why Why this year? What? What is it about the viola? You know what? I don't know if it was because last year I discovered the perennial violas. But anyway, I am all in on violas. And I, I told the garden club, I says, hey. If you know another club that wants me to speak about violas and one of the people did send me an email about another club, but I, I can't make the date they said. So yeah. Anyway, I'm going to promote the heck out of this talk. I can do it coast to coast via zoom. There you go. You might as well. <laughs> yeah. So your rabbit hole is terrible. It's complicated. So it's sad. It's sad. So my talk box internet, which was so great and so fast and we loved it it died. It just died. Like one day I no longer had it. And I talked to the owner and it's a long story, but the company is gone. And so I have no internet. So I'm at my son's house um, on his internet. He lives two miles away, which doesn't sound far. And I'm really grateful. But on the other hand, the whole point of working from home is that your teapot is right next to you and you can just walk from your teapot to your chair and start working. And of course, right now I'm super busy. I've got garden coaching clients starting back up. I've got a talk tonight, a talk the first week of March. Thank God I didn't get that other talk the second week of March. I'd lose my freaking mind. So I have to keep running back and forth to my son's house. The point of all this is my rabbit hole is trying to find a new internet company. And finally, we hired someone to help us find one because it's not, it's complicated. Trying to get an internet company out in the boondocks is hard. So it's not like living in the city where you just call up Cox Cable or AT&T and say, hey, I'd like for you to turn on my internet. It's not like that. No, not like here in the suburbs. I have two choices. In yeah, the we got here. a couple of choices, but we're going to see. I mean, we're working on it. So anyway, um, garden commissions, what are you going to do? Garden commissions, go for it. 
Oh, okay. You want me to go first? All right. I'm going to take my sprouted onion seeds and repot them or plant them into another cold vein. I need to pick them out, prick them out. And then I also have onion sets to plant along with some cold weather flowers, which I'll probably do. I usually do that the last week of February. Uh, Debbie Clem asked me this week when I'm going to start my tomato seeds and my pepper seeds. I do that mid-March toward the end of March. Because you don't need to do it, you know, there's such a thing about like, you want to do it really soon because you're antsy. But here's the thing, then you've got to keep up with those dang plants that much longer while you're waiting and you have to take them in and out, in and out, unless you do it in the greenhouse. So, and I, I only have so much room in the greenhouse. I'll have to do some under lights. Anyway, then I already said I was going to cut back my plants. That's it. You? So I do want to say about the tomato plants, when you grow them yourselves and you start them a little bit later, like I'm going to do and you're going to do, and uh-huh. then you, you'll you see that your plants are probably smaller than what they're at the garden center. And you think, oh, you know, that's horrible and all. Yeah. By July 4th, everybody's all caught up mm-hmm. and you probably have a stronger, healthier plant that you grew from seed. So don't worry if your plants aren't as big as the ones at the garden center. That's that's great advice. And also when you plant those plants, you're going to take off all the side stems and plant them down to the first couple of leaves or first four leaves. Right. So it doesn't matter how big that plant is anyway. And the truth exactly. is here they're caught up by June. There you go. So I am going to get serious about sowing some seeds for some of the early stuff like petunias. Um I still have viola seeds and I decided I'm not going to do the winter sowing in the gallon jugs outside. I thought, you know what? I'm just going to sow under lights. I can take care of them better. And so I am still going to try some of my um, more otter varieties of violas that I got. Cause you know, I'm doubling down at the garden center when they, when she texts me and says the violas are ready, I'm taking the truck. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, you know, that's pretty much it. I'm going to look for flowers when it's a little warmer. I might, trim back the hellebores tomorrow because it's supposed to be pretty nice. Oh yeah. We got to trim back the hellebores. That's something else to do. And it's okay to go ahead and trim them back before we get that snow because the snow will insulate them. That's right. So that is it. We want to thank you for listening to the garden Angelus. If you like our podcast, please tell your friends about us. And if you hit the subscribe button, you won't miss anything. And if you listen to Apple Podcasts, we'd love a five-star review that helps us get noticed by others. Could you also share our podcast with all of your gardening friends? Word of mouth is still the best way to get the word out there. Yes, and be sure and check out our show notes for links for more information about today's topics, plus links to our own websites. And if you want to help support us, use the affiliate links. If you buy something after clicking through on them, we earn a small commission and it costs you nothing. It was lovely to chat with all of you over the garden gate today. Bye until next week. Bye everybody.